0: It's derby time! Come on, tell your friends. We'll go to many distant lands with Dan the Coach and Jackie the Skater. The fun! the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby Podcast. This is Jackie Bauer. Thank you for joining me today on the path to becoming better athletes, teammates, leaders, and human beings. Hi there, team. It's good to be back again. And this episode, I have another member of the WFTDA task force who worked on the new curriculum to share with you. Today, I'm talking with Chili of Pink Peril Roller Derby in the Netherlands. Chili is a coach and a delight to speak to (laughs) and has actually been working on implementing the new curriculum for a time period last year. In fact, he recently wrote a blog article that I'm linking to in the show notes and on social media, and it's called Implementing the New WFTDA Beginner Curriculum Framework and Why It's a Game Changer. So this is exciting. This is one of the few leagues out there in the entire world that got to try to do a little bit of roller derby last year over the summer. And so we talk a little bit about that and what it was like to start going through the return to play steps before having to back off and stop practice again. And what it was like to start using these new ideas from the new curriculum and how that's translating into practice and skill work and team bonding and, you know, all that good stuff. So without any further ado, I really want to take you over to the conversation with Chili because I want you to hear it straight from him. Joining me today on Power Through the Fourth Whistle is Chili. Hi, Chili. Hello. Is Chili your full derby name or is it longer?
1: No, it's my full derby name.
0: (laughs) I love it. It's wonderful.
1: Yeah, it works because everybody uses it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it's fun to say. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me a little bit about you. This is our first time meeting. Like, How did you get into roller derby and then later become involved with the task force? What's your story?
1: Oh, my story. It has many steps. I started skating in the 90s, uh, which was inline skating by that time and also a bit of quad. And um, yeah, well, I discovered roller derby, I think. 10 or 12 years ago and I was in the audience a long time still that I still love uh, watching roller derby all the time It's, it's just fun and I got into an active role some years ago two years ago and yeah well I saw the chance of becoming a roller derby coach and I applied and it happened so you were in the stands you watched roller derby you
0: had all this skating experience and then you said hey I think oh, maybe I could coach. That sounds good.
1: <laughs> yes, I did, a, I did a bit of coaching before because my girlfriend was a skater with Cologne and uh, we uh, skated on the parking lots in the evenings when she made her um, MST. And so yeah, I had a, a bit of experience before that, but in the end, it was a step, yes, becoming a coach.
0: <laughs> and how was that adjustment going from the stands to being out there coaching?
1: Oh, it was exciting <laughs> it was exciting because uh well i have been to uh, a lot of trainings before that but really actually standing there and, and and coaching is something so different and and uh also uh designing the training on a longer term and and, and finding where you want to go with the team that's really an issue that's really an, an experience so uh yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: And so you've already been working on uh, adapting as a coach, as changes happen over the years with rules, different people coming yeah. in, you've been already used to figuring that out. And um, yeah. how, how long ago actually did you start coaching? Was it, Did you say a year?
1: Uh, no, I started with the current league in December, 2019. Okay, great. But you, you've been involved in multiple leagues too? Yes, I've been into another league before in Cologne, um, not as a coach, um, yeah. But uh, so some experience uh, has been before, but actually it was a big step joining them and being their coach and currently being their only coach as well, because my colleague just left us, so yeah.
0: It's, it's a lot of work to be the only coach, I, I yeah. feel for you.
1: <laughs> I think it's a, it's a job, it's a, it's a dedicated job to be the mm-hmm. only coach for a league, yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, so how did you become involved with the task force then? Because you recently wrote this great blog article. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes and we're going to talk about it a bit. But uh, how, how did you make that leap to getting involved?
1: Yes, well, um, be- becoming a coach is also about uh, learning how to coach. So I um to, to have a structured introduction into what I do, and I found out where there are sources, how to coach roller derby, took some lessons, some workshops, and one day this uh, um, this was on my Facebook. Um, you can join the, the task force, and I thought about it for two milliseconds and then I joined in because I thought you can learn a lot from that. If you work with the people, why do, do they uh, put something in the in the curriculum. And yeah, it was really helpful because you had so, you have so much background information of um, the research and see how they come to the conclusions and why there's something in the lists. Um, and that was really helpful for me.
0: I love that. Uh, we talked a little bit with the task force members on the last episode about that too, about how they became involved. And each origin story is basically like, well, why not? And, um, I like that they also kind of encouraged, uh, anyone listening, if you want to have any input, or like you're saying, just learn more, like, just be curious about how the system works. Like, why not jump in? And it could be, you could be from any size league. You can be from anywhere in the world. And if you want just a little bit of extra knowledge and little extra participation in roller derby, you can do it. <laughs>
1: Exactly. And I like that the curriculum was also designed to work with any kind of league because, uh, yeah, well, small town leagues or smaller leagues might have different challenges than bigger leagues. You have uh, fewer um, coaches, you have maybe fewer feedback as well, how to design your your uh, new skaters program and so um, it's wonderful to have a good material out there and I think the curriculum is also enabling to start up a new league, which was uh, something that was thought about how would someone start a new league without the help of a bigger league today. Mm -hmm. And the curriculum, I think, is a big step forward for people in countries where there might be no other league yet, and someone wants to start it and has 20 skaters, and I want to start a new league. And now I think with the curriculum, it's much easier than before.
0: Yeah, it's really like a a straightforward guide. Yeah. Uh, But it isn't like restrictive. You know, it isn't like strict. It's just kind of like, here's some ideas and they're really good.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think I, I, I'd like to call it an invitation to make your own program with suggestions. Mm-hmm. There's nothing uh, strict that has to be in your skaters program. But I think the ideas in it are really good. And there was a lot of research and a lot of work that people put in it. So it has some quality as well. So uh, it's, it's a good framework to develop your own solutions from it. How about we,
0: uh, we talk about it a little bit? Uh, I, I wanna talk about your blog article. I love uh, you put out these the core values and how they were mapped. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about like this first one, the holistic approach, taking out the timelines?
1: The static timelines um, have happened in our league because um, in the Netherlands we pay for a venue. So we pay, for, pay a lot. Uh, for it, and we need to have some income from the skaters. So um, the static timelines was a solution to allow skaters that are new to roller derby to enter the league at a reduced cost. But we needed some kind of a timeline how long we want them uh, to be in this program. And that was until they pass the MST or match the MSRs. So. this static, this was a static program. Then it was defined at what day you would uh, take what skill and, um, and and what test. So if you have a skater profile um, that you learn a bit slower or you you t- need to do a bit more time with a defined skill, then uh, it was a problem. And some people just had to uh, pass you this uh, freshman program two or three times uh, until they actually met the MSRs. And uh, the curriculum is an uh, invitation to remove these kind of static timelines and uh, go more with the um, the individual uh, learning uh, of of skaters. So somebody who's been to sports before might be very fast, and someone who didn't sport for 20 years or so and and joins us um, might take more time. And so um, we remove these static timelines and uh, um, just want to um, take into account that people learn at a different speed.
0: Yeah, it seemed like we're always in danger of having individual skaters be left behind because of like a particular skill was challenging them really strongly and they weren't quite getting to the level that we thought we needed them to be at and it almost seemed like if if you didn't pass this test for some people it was like why bother and they'd leave derby then and like There are so many parts of Derby that are beneficial beyond like skating in a game that it's nice to have those people stay around because we can get you there with time and we want you involved for all the other wonderful things that come with the sport. So I I love this as just a, a way to keep people around and let them know like this is a process and a journey and we want to keep you here. Like, stay, yeah. hang out with us. <laughs>
1: yeah, and it's also uh, very important for a small town league to to provide a good program because, well, as a small town league, we don't have any transfers. Uh, we don't have transfers from other leagues. So we depend on a good skater program to develop our skaters by ourselves. And also, uh, the town we are located in is not that big. So um, we, we don't have these huge hundred and so-and-so People, mm-hmm. new skaters, uh, days. Um, so we depend on our skaters, and we we, we just want uh, to give them the best program we can.
0: About how many people are in your league?
1: Uh, currently, thirty.
0: That's a really good amount, actually. Yeah,
1: and we doubled last year. After the, uh, during the uh, time we could skate between the two lockdowns, we tr- we almost doubled. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, were were people just excited about roller skating there too? That's what I'm hoping. People will just come out of the (laughs) woodworks. Oh, wonderful. And um, I saw on the blog, you have skaters from seven nations. How did that happen? That's amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. And and, uh, I also uh, asked if we can uh, maintain that in any way. Um, Well, when I joined them, we had about five nations, I think. And uh, two nations came in. Uh, with the last uh, New Skater's Day. Um, the reason is we are on the corner of the Netherlands between three countries. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the countries Germany, uh, Belgium, and the Netherlands meet there. So we have uh, three countries um, anyway um, where skaters can join us. But also there's a military base around corner. And so <laughs> that's the reason uh, we uh, make made some advertising there. And so we have uh, people... Who have someone in their family who works there and they like to play roller derby and, and we just do some advertising there and they join us and that's fantastic we have now currently of course germany belgium netherlands we have also south africa uh, uk united states and canada
0: oh, that is so wonderful
1: yeah oh, you have <laughs> so
0: much diversity That that's exciting yeah. i bet you yeah. get to have like a lot of like different points of view different backgrounds that's that's such a great opportunity to, to see what happens with a group like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. And of course we, we coach in English then, so all, all our um, communications in English, um, which puts us all in the same boat, except the UK and US skaters who, who are native speakers then, but uh, it puts us all in the same boat, uh, speaking a different language. And so, yeah, that's very inclusive.
0: That is an extra challenge to have yeah. like, everyone has like a different native language too. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Oh, wow. I I can only imagine um, how amazing you almost be at learning just because many are learning in like a second language as well. Yeah,
1: Yeah, you learn (laughs) one thing, use descriptive language. So don't use code for skills, but use descriptive language. And that's very helpful.
0: Yeah, because I could just imagine all the different terms for different skills that could come about with such a group. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Oh wow! Tell me a little bit more about the the core values. Let's keep going down a little bit. Um, so, how about this: teach not test. Uh, what did you learn from this one?
1: In the world of MSRs, um, we queued up people and tested them one by one, and I recorded that on video and uh, watched them side by side to, to be as fair as I can with uh, uh, giving a feedback, um, which took a lot of time and. Also, I think it wasn't necessary because reading the skills is also possible from looking at the gameplay. Well, I think uh, as a small town, we have little training time. We have have only one training a week, which is- Oh, wow. uh, Not much. How many uh, hours do you get in
0: that session? (laughs) Two hours. Oh, wow. Two hours a
1: week. Two hours to do a lot. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I can only imagine what it must have been like going through the minimum skills with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, we're always looking for more time, but uh, currently we have these two hours, and so spending a lot of time with testing um, is just yeah in contradiction to us wanting to the skaters to learn the game, to learn the gameplay, and so t- um, to teach not to test saves a lot of. Uh, sort of takes a lot of time and um, well I actually found out I don't need to queue up people to test them side by side or one by one um, because the only question I have is what do I coach on the next day next week what do I coach in the next months? and to get a feedback on that um, I can just look at gameplay or at gameplay like situations or drills that are related to gameplay and see um, what skills are used, and do I see the, uh, the, the quality, the level, and the skill that I, I want to see, or do I need to adjust something? And I just look at that, and that gives me enough feedback for my coaching. So I do not need to queue up people and teach them uh, and test them on something um, just because it's in some list somewhere.
0: Mm-hmm. So you just look at the group, what could we be better at? What do I want us to be better at in a game? And what does it take to do that?
1: Exactly. That's it.
0: It's very simple, uh, actually. <laughs>
1: yeah. And so um, I think um, if you look at the curriculum, there is uh, these uh, skill levels and uh, certain uh, skills that you could coach at that at that stage, um, the IADP stage. And I think one mistake or one misinterpretation of the curriculum would be to see this as a list of to-dos. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not intended... to to see this as a to-do list, but as a suggestion, what you could look at to find your content for the next session, for the next weeks in your training plan. If you use it that way, it's much simpler. Um, But if you try to coach all that is in the IADP stage, and especially if you try to test on that, it takes a year or something. I don't know, it's (laughs) a lot of testing.
0: Well, that start, sounds like a, a really good segue into gameplay at every level. Can we talk about that a little bit?
1: Yes, of course. So um, in the MSR world, uh, we started gameplay after you pass the MST, so at a very late stage. Um, and with the curriculum, we have the chance to um, go into gameplay quite early um, because we can adapt the rules. Uh, we can go into a land derby, which is derby of skates, or we can uh, go into a limited version of contact or limit the speed. And so you can define uh, gameplay versions. You can adapt the rules as well. You can find the, the gameplay versions, which you can coach as a, at a very early stage. So maybe you can go into into some gameplay-like uh, situations even in the after four or five sessions with the new skaters. And I think that's a big advantage because um, I think a skill is learned when you make use of it in gameplay. You can even go if you have a more competitive profile into it must be learned to work under conditions like it's the last overtime jam and everything depends on you and you want still uh, some quality. But um, at least you, know, you need to make use of something in gameplay because this is why we, uh, what we are there for. We want to play the game. So any uh, skill we learn is um, basically um, useful for gameplay when we, when we use it, make use of it. And to make use of it, we need to learn it under gameplay conditions. So having an early access to gameplay is very beneficial for, for the coaching.
0: When I think back to when I learned my skills, I honestly think we didn't learn anything about gameplay or the rules until after i had passed the test because then I got put in with a group of skaters who was ready to learn what the game was. And it's so strange to think about now that I, I learned how to skate and then I was going to learn how to play roller derby. And it was such a weird transition because I had an idea of what to do with my body, but I had no idea what was going on in this game that I I had invested so much into and I didn't know the rules. And I remember going into my first game, still not understanding the rules completely. (laughs) I was sure I was going to get a million penalties and I did get some, Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I I like this idea of instead of waiting, instead of waiting, just start sooner so people can understand the game. Why not understand the game? We came here to play it.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And also you mentioned the rules. It's a good uh, thing to start early with that. So many people reported that after passing the MST, um, they had the feeling of starting over, learning from you. Mm. And everything that was before was just, for, for for the list, just for, for a little check mark on a list. So um, we want to avoid that kind of feeling that you start new when you when you pass something and have an early access. Um, and also rules knowledge, that's also something we should talk about because uh, we have this theory test out there, but did this really prepare for gameplay? I'm not sure. So uh, what I, we I do like is. i a test
0: to see if you read the rules.
1: <laughs> yeah. <it's> and like... <laughs> when
0: I think back to school, anytime I had to take a test on reading, I, I, I learned enough to pass the test and then it went out of my head. It was gone again. Like I really only learned this game playing this game.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, one thing I do is just uh, when we have some kind of scrimmage or uh, gameplay-like situation, and I see something interesting, I just call freeze, and f- people freeze, and then we talk about what just happened, if uh, what that means in the rules. So um, learning it just within the training, not not separately, is uh, one uh, chance of bringing the rules into you, into into the uh, skills so yeah and also we had a workshop on the curriculum there were some interesting ideas like um people um who meet before the training and and do some rules learning together so yeah so uh, i think we shouldn't uh forget that there are rules out there that must be coached also
0: i like also that uh you kind of like stop in the moment of what you're doing to kind of address something because I. I don't know if you have this this term in your league but in in where i'm from a lot of people use the term jamnesia for when you played and you don't remember anything that just happened because it all went by so fast (laughs) like you i don't know where i was i don't know what i did what are you talking about (laughs) by by stopping in the moment you can actually look and be like oh this is where my body is in space and time and maybe i i know a little bit about what i should do
1: (laughs) Exactly, <laughs> and it could also be a, the idea of uh, taking a video of your training and um, providing that to, to the skaters and uh, have them rewatch it if they want to so they can see what happened from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Might also be an idea.
0: Oh, there's so many games I, walk, I watch back and I'm like, what <laughs> happened over here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another thing I, I just want to quickly go back to, that you keep talking about the list and the checking off. You're absolutely right I think when skaters have looked at the new curriculum and they've seen like these sections where you see a bunch of skills written there it looks like a list and what do you want to do with a list you want to check it off it's so tempting it feels good when you do it you know you did the thing you could celebrate doing the thing but uh, it's it's more like like you said an invitation like you could be working on this it's really good <laughs> It doesn't mean you have to hit all of this today or even next week. It's just, it should just come out naturally based on what you want the whole group to be working on. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I always try to map what we learn to something we need. So uh, um, learning a skill just for, for, for a list or something because it's out there um, doesn't make sense and it's not good for the motivation. I think for the motivation of uh, the skaters we need, to map what we learn to something we need. So I try mm-hmm. to keep the amount of skills um, a bit shorter, um, but try to really master what we have. Um, I sometimes use this uh, saying that I have the, I, um, have the um, impression that some, some coaches, uh, some, some teams uh, try to make very complicated uh, moves like a 12 step jammer catch or something involving the whole team or something. So um, that's quite interesting if you, if you have fun with, uh, with strategies but um, it's also depending on your basic skills. So um, if you do not have the basic skills to make use of that, it's just a complicated thing that never works in gameplay, so I, I try to, mm-hmm. to keep the list shorter and master what we have and try not to make seven story menus when we don't know how to cook potatoes so.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. There's nothing more frustrating than spending maybe an hour of your practice time trying to perfect something really specific as a group that never ends up happening in the game.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and especially for us that we have so little uh, training time, we need to really make the best out of it.
0: Yeah. Let's go on to uh, the next set. Uh, The next three kind of um, seem to overlap a little bit here and there. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the safe space. Uh, can you tell me about that one?
1: So the safe space. Um, the safe space is not about physical safety. It's about feeling safe uh, to progress in training. So you build up your skills and steps at your own pace, and you're not thrown into the, into the deep end, um, and nobody helps you. So um, I try to get feedback from the skaters if they feel safe. And I have also... Um, from time to time, I uh, go into one-to-one talks with the skaters if they feel okay with the skating, okay with the coaching, okay with the league, um, and get and try to get some feedback from them if we need to adjust something, because the feeling of safety is uh, crucial um, to make progress. If you feel, do not feel safe, you won't grow. So um, I think the safe space um, um, is very important to, uh, make progress uh, in your skills program.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, is it a positive environment? Are people giving like good feedback, or do you feel like you're just being criticized all the time as you're trying to learn something? And uh, where's the feedback coming from? And uh, do you trust those sources and things yeah. like that? Right and for your
1: motivation and for for trusting in yourself. And uh, if you want to grow, uh, where you want to go, and if you feel in group or out group um, all these things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we need, we need to, uh, take care of that for a good team structure and for mm-hmm. a good team bonding.
0: Yeah. I feel like, uh, when I came into roller derby a very long time ago, it seemed like there were a lot of clicks, a lot of little groups and you were, you had to find which little group you fit into within the league. And, uh, I, I like the idea of kind of maybe dismantling some of that. <laughs> Uh, so that everyone is part of the larger group and you don't feel like isolated or excluded from what's going on. Yeah, I think
1: it's important to have uh, uh, structures that you can uh, say everybody has some time with the coach There's, it's not just Mm -hmm. happening because uh, they, I don't know, share the car or something, but there must be something in your training structure um, to have this one-on-one time um, to get a feedback. Maybe the board also wants this with the the skaters, um, just to make sure there's a structure where you can get feedback and that you're uh, part of the whole thing. Um, Well, we did... Something more, we, we also uh, changed uh, on the, the way we welcome our skaters with the new skater stays. Um, usually we had a dedicated uh, new skaters coach, but we changed that mm-hmm. and we um, have a new mode of welcoming our skaters on, on these days. On the first two sessions are uh, done in a way that every new skater can choose a veteran to coach them on that day, and they um, keep together for two sessions and they do a one on one coaching. So, my role then is not being uh, the coach who, sh- who, who demos uh, the skills and, and give the feedback, but I'm more uh, uh, in the background and see if everybody's uh, um, progressing and, and um, where the problems are. And so, that was very
0: I like yeah. that because y- you immediately get to try and have a bond with one yeah. skater. And then do you, you switch it up every two sessions? Uh, then? No, we do for this only
1: for two or three sessions. And then we go into oh, a okay. regular training mode back, but um, this was very successful. It was, I, I just tried it uh, during last year with the curriculum and said, we can try something new. We can welcome people mm-hmm. and we want to show them that they're part of the team. Uh, we have this dividing line between uh the the veterans and the team and the new skaters all the time because they were coached by maybe someone from the team or a dedicated uh, coach if we had someone but um i wanted to break down this wall um, and welcome them and say okay it's not you're not in our group because of your skating skills, um, you're welcome here and go with your own pace. And um, you're part of the team. Even if you're a new skater, you're part of this. And that worked really well and it had two sides. It was very positive for the uh, for the new skaters, but it also uh, went well for, for the veterans because coaching someone is also learning for yourself. And it, I have never seen them mm-hmm. that focused like on these days. That was fantastic, mm-hmm. a wonderful experience. From the very first minute to the last minute, they were 100% focused in their job as uh, as a coach. And <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah, those of you out there, if you've never gotten to demonstrate a basic skill for a new skater and then wa- watch the look of awe on their face, like you haven't lived yet. Like
1: you, you, must, you must do, do this. this. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And uh, you learn for yourself as well. You redo your basics when you coach them. So I think it went two sides. Two, two sides uh, had had a benefit from it, from this uh, way of uh, welcoming our new skaters. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I, I guess you started mentioning it. Maybe we could talk about it a little bit. You did get to return to play for a period of time last yes. year. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Like, when when did you get to start? Uh, well, I think
1: it was in June, uh, beginning of June, wow. <laughs> after a smaller lockdown. Um, we started outdoors. Um, we had to ask for a venue, and uh, the town hall gave us a parking lot with tarmac, and uh, it, was a, yeah, it was in front of a hockey stadium, and we always watched the, uh, other people uh, doing their sport in luxury uh, arena <laughs> there, the and, and we were on the parking lot, <laughs> and uh, it was it was weird. nothing
0: more <laughs> roller derby than
1: that. <laughs> yeah, it was weird, and there was a... I think a, a car was burned down there a few days ago and and the car was removed, but oh. uh there were glass uh pebbles uh into the timing which we had to remove and the first day was cleaning up oh and then we started but tried we tried there and we we learned something there and it worked so um yeah we you cannot do everything on timing, but uh, basic skills are quite possible, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably not as much contact, though. I'm guessing you don't want to make physical contact with that oh, surface. No.
1: no, we did non-contact training. <laughs> I think it was even a rule that we do not go into contact. Right. Yes. So we did this for a few weeks, and then we could go back to our to our uh, regular venue uh, where we had the youth to stay.
0: And so, um, like, what level did you get to during that time? Uh, was everyone still like physically separated, or?
1: Uh, well, I think in the end we had a few days where we could go into contact. So we did a few um, Mm -hmm. blocking drills or so, but um, it was already clear that maybe we have to leave again because the numbers went up, the COVID numbers went Mm -hmm. up. And so um, we didn't plan too much on it. We uh, tried to make a few non-contact game-like situations. And this was the first step towards uh, contact drills, but it was clear that we wouldn't get very far with it. Mm
0: So I'm just curious, did you notice any differences in your team as you came back together to attempt to do even the limited practice, like physically, mentally, emotionally, like anything that you felt needed to be kind of addressed in the training to make sure everyone was feeling okay and like they're in a safe space? Like I had you said? mixed
1: feelings about going back to training because uh, we have also a few people who work in medical sectors and while they save mm-hmm. the world, um, we go to training. That's not what we want to. Um, so um had a bit mixed feelings and we actually went later than we could Um, also um, we asked ourselves how is the hospital situation because it's a full contact sport you Mm -hmm. can end up with an injury and then you have to go to hospital and uh, they have a lot to do Mm -hmm. in these times so um, i think if we go back to training we will first check um, if the hospital situation is okay for us also uh, people haven't skated for a while now uh, so if we want to go back now, we will have to look at the health situation and at the at the uh, fitness, um, how much uh, we could go on the first sessions, how, how far we can go on the first sessions. And also, I didn't want to put pressure on skaters that want to wait. Um, they might have mm-hmm. fear of missing out something in the training, but also uh, do not want to go back to training yet because they don't feel well with it. So. I think there's a, there's a few questions um, to answer before you go back to training, and that's what I learned from last year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But when we were okay with it, then I had the idea that, I had the, the feeling that the team needs to find back to their team bonding. Um, so mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to go 100% into the competition and into the learning, the first sessions, um, I wanted to, to wait f- um, for them to find back to, to their bonding and to their um, yeah, how, how, how they want to, how much they, what time they want to put in, how, they, how competitive they feel. Um, and that took a few sessions before we then um, made um, a plan. Um, So, for the um, motivation on the longer term, you might need uh, to define a goal, something like, we want to play that ballad, we want to have that opponent, we want to be ready for a tournament in X months, or something like that. So, um, I think that is something you could do at at a second stage that you find a goal with a team, make a survey, and see what's the team's uh, vision at the moment, where do they want to go, and then um, define something and um, make a plan that leads to that that goal. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Just something manageable. Like, I I don't know if anyone's goal right now should try to be like, and then I'd like to win the Hydra. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Maybe it's just, like you said, like maybe we know we want to schedule one nearby opponent in so many months um is this possible let's try for it and what do we need to do to get ready to play a game against this caliber of team Mm -hmm. that we already know something about you know something like that
1: something realistic (laughs) so uh yeah and you might Mm -hmm. uh, separate then to sub goals something that you want to achieve so you want to go back to contact but then three months or so and then we went to scrimmage yeah make a plan that gives training a meaning Mm -hmm. because we had so much training that had no meaning because you didn't know where to go you didn't know when you can go back to contact didn't know when Mm -hmm. to uh, to go back to something uh, tournaments or audiences uh, and there were so many Mm -hmm. trainings out there um which tried to um, bring us through lockdown, like all the off-skate trainings that you had on Instagram from so Mm -hmm. many leagues and so much work put into that. And I I really appreciated all the work out there and and quality materials. But in the end, it was hard to keep up the motivation if you do not know uh, when you go back to roller derby. Mm
0: -hmm. You have to have something to aim for. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Otherwise, it's... It's really easy to just kind of fall into melancholy, right?
1: Yes. (laughs) That's true. Uh, (laughs) Ah,
0: So um, I I kind of like took you on a detour. Um, We've gone through four of the core values and how Mm -hmm. they were mapped. Uh, Can we talk a little bit about the fifth one, transparency?
1: Transparency, yes. Um, The curriculum invites to assess and communication with the skaters. So um, I don't know if... Um, Leaks have a variety of how they did it before, but this invitation is um, if you assess something of, or try to find the next step, do this in communication with the skaters so um, um, they know um, why uh, you to this or that conclusion. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you define the next step for someone and uh, say, okay, I think you need to work on this or that, um, you can do this um, in an interview and, and ask him, what do you think will take you to your next step? And I think questions are sometimes better than uh, hints because um, they learn from self-reflection and they learn mm-hmm. to self-reflect um, their skating and that will lead to a much better learning than just giving a feedback.
0: Mm-hmm. So instead of just like Uh, you need to be better at your transitions, which is not very helpful. Uh, You could ask them, um, what position are you drawn to on the team? Like what, what type of player do you see yourself becoming? And then maybe they could talk about, oh, I'm going to be, I I would, my dream is to be an all-star jammer and like, okay. uh, So what steps would get you there? Like, well, if I get hit out of bounds, I've got to be able to stop (laughs) and then come back in. (laughs) That sounds good. (laughs)
1: exactly.
0: Yeah, I I love the idea now that um, we're going to work more on getting the skater involved in the process instead of delivering them news. Like I I have memories of coaches giving me an email that had several paragraphs that was like, this is what we think of you and where you're at on all these specific things. And it's a lot to digest. And it doesn't have me involved in the process at all, in my opinion, on like what I want to do or what I hope to do or um, in. Yeah. I I like this idea that it's a conversation and
1: that it's more question-based than delivery. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Even on the skill level, if you think of someone having a problem with a transition, so you might ask, what do you think uh, happens when you make it at more speed? Why doesn't it work at more speed? And they Mm -hmm. try over and over and maybe they find out, okay, it's a weight shift. It's a weight shift problem. When I'm doing slow, I can shift the weight and I cannot shift the weight when I'm faster because I don't dare to. And they come to their own conclusions. And sometimes that is very helpful because well as a coach, you only see, you don't feel what they feel. And maybe mm-hmm. you miss out some some something important, which would be helpful if you do not ask first.
0: Sometimes you just need to talk it out too. I, I mean I, I can think of so many just life things where I'm like I'm trying to make a decision about this and I don't know what to do. And I just grab somebody and talk to them for a little bit and be like, this is what I'm thinking. Oh, I guess I didn't need you to say anything. Now that I've heard me explain it to you, I actually get where I'm going with this.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's that <laughs> exactly what I mean. So that is very <laughs> helpful for the coach as well, because you don't have to be the expert. You have the expert in, in front of you. The expert you don't have of their mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if they explain the thought process right there, then yeah. then you know what's going on in their mind.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes uh, coaches work so hard at trying to. Read facial expressions like that person's making a stink face. I don't think they're having a good time, and I don't know what's going on. Are they mad <laughs> at me? Are they mad at yeah. someone else? Yeah. And if you actually just get them to open up, they could just be like, "Oh, I I was caught in traffic on the way here." <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, oh, so it's yeah. not about roller <laughs> derby. Okay, it's good <laughs> okay. to know at least.
1: <laughs> Ooh, I was thinking so much. <laughs> yeah,
0: okay. it's really easy to just um, twist yourself up uh, worrying about these things uh, when like transparency and communication can be very helpful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so the last one here is discretion. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that one for me?
1: Well, yeah, I think the uh, word has um, been a bit discussed since, since uh, the curriculum is out there. And I think uh, the task force will maybe work on the definition of it. The thing is the MSRs had some time um worked as as a gatekeeper so you missed on a single skill
0: Mm -hmm. like
1: the 27 and five
0: a very obvious skill very (laughs) obvious
1: but okay so a coach's discretion can be that you say okay if you do not want to be a jammer in a competitive all-stars team you might not need this skill Mm -hmm. so we we we, um, go forwards um, and you can see if you catch on, on that later or something. So uh, don't put something like a list entry above on the progress. Uh, it shouldn't, you shouldn't stop someone because they have a problem with a single skill. You have this question, you can say, okay, we, we just go on and that will not affect our gameplay very much and you have some kind of, yeah, you, you can make a decision on that or, Together with the skater, of course. Um, so uh, don't put lists up uh, above your team goals. I think that's all that all that it means. It's not much more than that. So it's not about uh, I don't know uh, having discretion on 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 on, on the skaters' feedback or something. It's just um, d- don't forget the that the sense of what you do is more important than the list that you have in your hands. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it used to be like uh, this criteria from on high from the larger organization of like, I'm sorry, it's, it's not my opinion. It's they can they're telling me you can't skate in this game. And I, I enjoy now that we're saying to the leagues now, you know, your skaters better than anybody who's not here. <laughs> you exactly. know, whether or not they got this, like, yeah. can they move forward? Yeah. You know, you don't need us to tell you, you know, <laughs>
1: So uh, I think with this uh, question, uh, the idea is uh, to take into account that people learn at different speeds and might mm-hmm. have certain points where they have they struggle with. So uh, if we have that diversity, we cannot have a static test, mm-hmm. it doesn't match. So uh, the discretion is to open up the, the static uh, MSR world to something that is more fluent, more, um, yeah, has, has more, takes more into account that people are in uh, are different and are uh, have an individual profile of how they learn. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it was funny. One of the things I was going to ask you is if you had any recommendations for preparing coaches, but I feel like this entire conversation has had lots of really good advice for like, Hey coaches, this is how you could go about it. You know, like just, Think about it this way and then make a plan.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. uh, Rethink. It's an invitation to rethink what you really want to achieve and make your own solution from it. Um, Yeah. And if you want to, there's also a workshop on the curriculum pre recorded in the WF Today forums. So maybe that is helpful as well. And you can also uh, talk to other coaches how they uh, do their. Uh, implementation. I think uh, in a year from now or two years from now, we will also have a lot of secondhand materials, which we had for the MSR world. This is new. Of course, there's not much out there, but this will change.
0: Mm -hmm. I I like the idea that a lot of people will be kind of crowdsourcing their knowledge together and, and sharing because roller derby is a competitive world, but maybe we don't have to compete on just Teaching our skaters.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think we need to have secrets on how we teach new skaters. This is a no. new skate. Of course, we might have um, secrets about our strategies. <laughs> so sure, uh, you can keep those. <laughs> but uh, I don't think we need to have secrets about how to coach basic skating. I don't, mm-hmm. know. I don't think so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, that's wonderful. Um, uh chili is is there anything else you want to share out there with the derby community any any parting thoughts
1: and my my idea of uh coaching is you can describe every ever so complex skill as a sequence of basic skills so if you have a seven step jammer catch it's a acceleration then it's a transition and then it's uh it's a, maybe a, a cut and then maybe uh maybe a, a, a plow stop or something. So uh, the basics are not the basics. What we consider there is actually the advanced skills as well, because all they are all a sequence of basic skills. I think that's part of motivation, because uh, if you explain that to the skaters, they see, oh my God, I'm not learning basic skating. I'm learning, learning advanced skating as well at the same mm-hmm. time. And that's why I, I tell them, uh, um, watch a game. Go frame by frame. And watch what they do and you will find the basic skills that you are currently learning in a very, very fast sequence. You just watch a awesome game and go on slow motion and see, okay, oh my god, they do a t-stop, they do a plus stop, and they do a transition. Ah, so what I'm learning is actually advanced skating, not just something which I will never use again later on when I'm mm-hmm. in the A-Team world. So... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, skaters are very eager to learn the advanced skills, and yeah. yeah, if you if you break it down as like this is a combination of things we already know, it's like oh great, yeah. that's that's very achievable yeah.
1: <laughs> and exactly. exciting.
0: Because yeah. then when you put it all together, you're like oh that looked good.
1: <laughs> yeah. So well, I don't have anything more to say. I think um, yeah, <laughs> that's about that's about it.
0: Oh, Chili, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you so much,
1: yeah. thank you having having me. Thank you so much
0: and And I will definitely, of course, be sharing the link If people would like to read the blog. It was very good, sure. <laughs> and thank you. Uh, take it back to your teams. <laughs>
1: yeah, thank you. <laughs> Wonderful
0: And we're back. I really enjoyed talking with Chili. Chili's really easy to talk to. And a lot of what I felt like I took away from this conversation was that for all of the concern I've been hearing from the roller derby community about how the heck do we implement the new curriculum, how do we prepare our coaches, it really seems simpler than we're making it out to be. I think it just comes down to using some common sense about what your team needs. And training your team for that. It's what you would do if you weren't given a framework in the first place, right? So using these ideas doesn't have to be rocket science. It can be just as simple as coaching the team you have through the skills they need and helping everyone get just a little bit better every day. And I think that's wonderful. And it was also so good just to hear about what it was like for another team that got to return to play, because my team sure hasn't. And I've been wondering about it. Maybe you have been, too, about what it's going to be like when your team comes back together and to hear at least one team story About the challenges and what it felt like makes me feel a little bit better about when my team goes back. And I hope that it does the same for you. I recently got to see a teammate for the first time in months to go trail skating. I have not put roller skates on my feet since really late last summer. I did not know what it was going to be like, but let me tell you. There are a few things in this world like roller skating. If you haven't put your skates on and messed around in a long time, like me, I would encourage you to, to do it because you've probably forgotten how good it feels. And maybe like me, you had some doubts about your ability to do it <laughs> or what it would be like. Uh, trust me, it comes back. You're going to feel it. And then you're going to start feeling it in those muscle groups that you can't quite get to doing other activities. And you're going to be like, oh, my butt remembers this. (laughs) But anyway, I I said all that to say in talking to my teammate, I did get a little bit more of an idea of uh, what my league's even thinking about for a timeline. And it does sound like the summer is going to be when we're going to try if it's okay in our area. So I'm looking forward to that. It's giving me like a a goal, a goal of where I want to physically and mentally be when my team comes back and something to hope for. I mean, it could just as easily be snatched away depending on what happens out there in the bigger world. But for right now, I'm just going to think positive and look forward to it and get prepared. And I hope wherever you are that you can do that, too. Before I go, I want to say some thank yous. Thank you, of course, to the guest this week, our special guest, Chili from Pink Peril Roller Derby. Please go read the blog article, share it with your team, anyone who doesn't have time to listen to a podcast. But for me, I'm kind of like, I'd rather listen to something than read anyway. (laughs) Um, So I hope you're sharing both, is what I mean. And uh, thank you to our patrons on Patreon especially our top-tier patrons, Stevie Kicks, Tara Wiebenson, and Kristen. Thank you to those of you who shopped in the Threadless store since last time I recorded. That would be Danielle, who got Sloth Roller Derby, Aubrey, who liked Roller Derby Kathleen, and Alice, who is done adulting. Thank you to our transcriber, Jenergy, who makes the episodes more accessible for other people. Thank you so much. And thank you to those of you who left like feedback from last week's episode and shared it on social media. Um, Summer City Roller Derby on Instagram shared the podcast as a recommendation. Uh, Jam Beasley said, I like Power Through the Fourth Whistle because not only does Jackie focus on proper training for derby, but she also discusses important topics related to leadership, building a strong community, and just being a better person in every aspect of your life. It's very motivational and uplifting. Thank you, Jam. I was really surprised and I was really happy when I saw this. So thank you so much. It felt like getting a review, but it was nice of you and your league to put that out into the world and try to get more people to come on board. Thank you to the WFTDA who has been sharing the task force episodes. Uh, That's really great to have the organization support. And thank you to some other folks who shared, Cindy Martin, Stephanie Henry, Virginia Tilton, John Saporta, And there were actually many others who shared last week's episode, but because of like privacy settings on Facebook, I can't like see your names to give you a personal thank you. So just know that I thank you and appreciate you and good luck to all you coaches out there. I hope that this episode helped you feel a little bit more grounded in your ability, and what's possible, and more confident about going forward. Thank you for listening. We have been talking about derby and sharing derby thoughts. Pew, pew! Thank you for listening to another episode of Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby Podcast. I really hope those laser beams of positivity will carry through your day. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook or on Instagram or Twitter at Whistle. That's P-O-W-E-R, the number four, T-H-W-H-I-S-T-L-E. You can find fun videos of On and Off Skates training at our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Instagram. You could also support the podcast on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. The benefits of becoming a patron include fun stuff I can send you, like stickers, buttons, or shirts from our Threadless store. You can get access to our Discord server, bonus content, and free giveaways. Plus, patrons now have access to an ad-free version of the podcast that will download to your favorite podcast app each week, and everyone can access our transcribed episodes at patreon.com slash powerforthwhistle. If you like the content we provide and want to support us on this journey, please consider becoming a patron. If you want to expand your derby wardrobe, of course, another way to support the podcast is visiting our store at powerforthwhistle.threadless.com where you can get our designs on just about any type of apparel or accessory you can dream up. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast anywhere you can leaving reviews is still the best way to help this podcast be found and spread those laser beams of positivity to more humans. Plus, it's a way you can give back that is completely free. Open up your Apple Podcast app, punch those stars, and leave me a pew pew!